How are you feeling? Let's go. Let's go. Let's Three, try and get through this. Two, one. <laughs> Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris, and... Uh, I'm slightly sick, but, you know, socially distanced by hundreds of kilometres, so we should be okay. <laughs> and together, we are Luke's Talk Wine, talking all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. Hi, hi Campbell. Uh, you said that you're sick too. Neither no, of us are well. No, we're not, we're not. I'm not operating on all eight cylinders today, but um, that's all right. We, we, we bat on. Eight cylinders. That sounds like a lot of cylinders. Could you give nine cylinders and like music that well, goes up to 11? In a V8, you have eight cylinders. In a V12, you have 12 cylinders. Or have I just been watching too much Bathurst on the weekend? No, I'm just wondering if cylinders are only ever divisible by four. Anyway, what's happening today? Yeah, what's happening today? It's all happening as usual. Um, This week's topic is actually the difference between a winemaker and a vigneron, which will debate the merits and the what-fors of that big question. And a listener question, actually, which I did chuckle, coming from Shirley and Mossman in Sydney. What is it that you guys really love about Rieslings? I just can't get into them. (laughs) And (laughs) and I thought this this is a good one, actually, um, because it is close to both your heart and mine. So we can dispel a few myths and misconceptions about Riesling throughout, uh, throughout this discussion. But first, and as always, with every week, Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? I can sort of hear the lack of enthusiasm you have at the moment, Cam. When you feel, you do sound like you're flat and you and you need like a hot toddy or something. Um, oh, hot toddies! Ooh. What do what's been happening? Oh, we got well. I was going to say we got two more votes in the hottest one hundred. So, someone voted twice. And I haven't looked at what their votes are yet to see if they've tried to vote for 10 wines or if they've just replicated their voting twice because they might have stuffed up once or I don't know. But um, I don't know. I haven't checked that out. But we got more votes in the Hottest 100, so that's that's that was good. I think maybe it was the blog that did that. So excellent. good work. Well, that's Reaching out news. there. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, if you vote twice, the votes don't count, do they? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> that'd be, it'd really skew the system if people could just keep voting for yes. things. <laughs> yes, so what, one vote is enough, people, but keep yeah. it up, get involved, get your friends, get your family involved, uh, and we'll have a very good picture of uh, the Hottest 100 Wines as we head towards the finalisation of this season yeah. of Luke's Talk Wine. Other than that, what's been happening? Uh, just the Bendigo Comedy Festival. I think that's why I'm run down. Just a lot of work yes. with the Bendigo Comedy Festival that's on this week. And by the time this episode gets released, maybe we've already had the gala um, event. But yeah, lots of I've been just lots of helping out with that late night people, planning, people, after hours, all that kind of thing. Are people coming out in droves and consuming comedy? Luke Morris, like, is it back? 
Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no look, uh, ticket sales are probably a bit lighter than what I want them to be. Uh, and, and But everybody keeps telling me that's because or two things that there's all these events that had to be put on hold for two years and are now all happening all at the same time. So there's just too much, too many options for people. Um, there's also the financial <coughs> crunch of um, uh, interest rates, I think, are actually, and, and petrol prices are actually having a, an impact on people getting out and about. Um, what else? There was something else. It's just been told that, yeah, because of uncertainty, lots of people have just got into a habit of buying really late. So, like, I, I have been told by some by some that we're actually doing really well, considering, like, the event hasn't, it's not the day of the event when most people actually buy tickets these days. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the other thing, last night, someone <laughs> said that there's a lot of people who just wishing they could go back into lockdown and don't want to go out anymore. Yeah, well, that's, that's a... kind of fair enough as well. It, that's kind of probably a paradox of uh, life at the moment. As you say, people want to go back into lockdown and just shirk whatever responsibility they might have about living life in general. Oh, no, I don't know. The, the, the old FOMO isn't as much as it used to be. People, that fear of missing out on doing something when you couldn't do anything, you might have found, you might have discovered that you didn't miss doing things. So maybe, maybe people are just happy sitting at home watching a box. Maybe. I don't know. Um, look, hey, the event itself is going to be. Great. The acts that we've got coming are terrific. That we're in a, a theatre for the first time. It's all um, as opposed to just the, um, the dance hall room of a, of a, of a bar. We've, we've moved the festival into a theatre and it's, um, yeah, terrific, terrific events happening. It's just, um, just about getting people to come. That's the only thing. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. Well, there's no problem with getting people to visit vineyards. And the question this week, this week's question is winemaker versus a vineyard and I thought this question was very interesting because the question often comes up between you know I can get asked what is a sommelier and then people then it goes into what's the difference between a winemaker and vineyard but then you've got you know you've got oenologists and you've got many things going on so I thought this week we might just tackle the question in a bit of a different way and kind of outline Luke Morris just the, the extensively the difference between a winemaker and vineyard and if that leads to oenology and where else it leads us we'll go down that avenue as well but for you what's the difference between a winemaker and a vineyard well there's just one very clear distinction and that's a um, there's actually in my view three jobs there's there's a viticulturalist and they look after a vineyard there's a winemaker and they tend to work in a big shed and look after making wine and there's the um, Vignon who does both those things. So Vignon is both the person out in the field and the person in the shed. 
but otherwise you just have one job and you're the viticulturalist out, out growing the grapes or you're the winemaker inside the shed. That's that's the difference. Yeah. And further beyond that, I guess, oenology, which is distinctive from viticulture, viticulture effectively is the science of cultivating and growing and harvesting, whereas oenology is the science of the study of wine itself and wine making. So there, you're right, there's a clear distinction between the both. And then when you get down to the nitty gritty of viticulture, that is the study of great cultivation, like in how that vineyard grows. I think it's a, often a team effort, but you can't make good booze from bad grapes. So you need a viti or a viticulturalist working with the soils, garnering the extreme energy of the vine before you even get anywhere near a winery. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, the, the, you know, it's really a question of um, uh, if someone's becoming a specialist. Also depends on their background or their financial background. There's plenty of winemakers around who, you know, they, they don't own a single vine, um, but that's because they invested their money in buying tanks and bells and all the winemaking equipment and then just bought grapes from established vineyards because you know it takes what five years for a vine to really start producing good grapes and it's if you're a young winemaker it's much much better or easier to go and buy those grapes and just make the wine than um you know plant your own vineyard and keep working your day job for five years <laughs> you know <laughs> before you can start making anything and some people like the prefer the or like the idea of having the the vineyard who has the quality control from start to finish, but also that's a lot of pressure to you know. And as I said, some financial strain to be able to do that, just particularly when you when you're young, we're starting out. It's, it's probably not really that common throughout. We think it's common, but it's probably not that common. Lots of lots of vineyards in France and all over the world are just they just grow grapes and they send them off that's, that's they do their part of the job oh absolutely in the wine industry there are people who just grow the grapes and, and don't make the wines themselves they sell the grapes off to wineries and they I mean these guys are called you know wine growers or, or simply growers um, and that's what they do they, they that's just what they love to do moreover the, the term vigneron, the French word vin just simply means grapevine. Like, so by the translation into vigneron, it's someone who is close to the vine. But a, a vigneron is a person that not only grows the grapes, but also makes wine from their own grapes. So it's a, it's a holus bolus thing, I guess. Um, a holus bolus. Holus bolus. There's a term you haven't heard for a while. Oh. <clears throat> um. Lost my train of thought there, but yeah, so you're on. And then, then you've got oenology, which we discussed, the study of wine itself and wine making. So that's a whole other um, kettle of fish. And the difference between where was I going? Why would you put there? fish in a kettle? That is a good question. Because is that like just to tempt them? Like if you've got living fish and you put them in a kettle. Yeah, so if you misbehave, I'm going to flick the switch. And I don't know. Do you, do you want steamed? Do you want boiled fish? 
with reference to what? I don't know. Just wondering what a kettle of fish is. So. Okay. As you were. So <laughs> conti continuing along with the discussion of viticulture, viticultura and oenology. So oenology being the study of wine and winemaking and viticulture, the study of grape cultivation. Do you, can you have one without the other, Luke Morris? Can you have what? On 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 just to study grapes. Can, can you have? Do you need? If you're a vigneron, do you need an oenologist? Or if you're a, you know, if no. you're just a, no. not necessarily. Not necessarily, no. no. I mean, oenologist sounds like someone who's got a fancy degree. This farmers are out there farming grapes. Regardless, you know, plenty of people don't go to university to do their job. It's it's not a necessity. Mm. Um, you know what's what's necessary is uh, good soil, a bit of water, the maintaining vine health through potential leaf plucking and all that kind of um, maybe some great <coughs> depending on the on Good the man. vines and away she goes. You oh, you'll get people who get really, really nitty gritty on it, but that's that's where they go study books and submit papers and write articles for Grapevine Monthly or whatever. Heaven help us. Riesling, Luke Morris, is very near and dear to your heart. Um, we're talking about Riesling because of a listener question. A listener question this week, Shirley writes in from Mossman on the North Shore of Sydney, and she writes, what is it you guys really love about Rieslings? I just can't get into it. Well, doesn't that open a can of worms? Does she say what she doesn't, what she can't get into, what it, what it is she doesn't? Life? No, she she just says she, she just tarts it up with a one brush. She just says, oh, "I just can't get into it." Okay. Um, but you do you? Well, I respect she the doesn't question have to. because yeah. no, but I respect the question because she's really asking our opinion and what we love about it because that might change her future uh, position in wine. So I, I love it. She's expanding her horizons. She just doesn't rule it out. She yeah. asks. So um, I'll give this one off because I, I think Riesling is one of the most versatile grape varieties. You know, it's great with food, you know, it, all types of food. It can be sweet. It can, it's mainly dry. Uh, it grows in all manner of different climates uh, and adversity for that matter. Um, until the not about the 1990s and... You're probably better across this Murray than I am, but until about the 1990s, Riesling was in fact the most planted white grape in Australia until Chardonnay took over. But um, yeah, I just think, gosh, there's some great examples, particularly in Australia, awesome Riesling. Uh, and what I love about it is its versatility, its oily texture, its citrus fruit flavors. What do you love, Lukey Morris? Uh, look, I think I'm just going to borrow, I'll try to, um, uh, Mick Nippard, friend of the show, 
about yes. his love of Riesling once, and I think he sums it up best because he just he said that he he loved it because of um, its purity. Like yeah. you play in winemakers play a round of Chardonnay and Shiraz and all those Pinots and all those great varietals, but Riesling's just that pure. There's very little that. You can you do with it. People don't play around with it that much in the winery. You, you get you get good fruit and then you vinify it and you then you stick it in tank and then you stick it in bottle and there's not much much more to it. There, there, obviously, there is there are games people can play, but it's not as much as uh, other grape varietals. And the fact that it can develop and age in really unique ways that you don't see in other grape varietals. Um, and the fact that it's cheap, <laughs> to be honest with you, you can get a wine that can be so different from different regions because it, it's people aren't trying to morph it into something else in the in the in the vineyard. It's in in the winery. It's very reflective of the vineyard and uh, the the viticulture from there, and then. So you can get all those differences in a $20 bottle. You don't have to start spending 50 or $100 to get the really good stuff. You can still get the really good stuff at like $25, $30 a bottle in, in the world of Riesling. And that's that's handy. So you can, you know, you can, you can, you can learn a lot and drink varied and on a budget and have something that will age extremely well. I mean, that's... It's got lots going for it. And ex extensively, Riesling is a German varietal by origin, but they grow it in France's Alsatian region. They grow it in Australia. They grow it in South Africa. They grow it in New Zealand. They grow it in the, the Americas. It, it's, it grows everywhere. Obviously, you know, right throughout Germany and the different regions of Germany. And they um, also do it, do it justice in Austria as well. But whether it's dry or whether it's, you know, sweet or higher in alcohol or lower in alcohol, it doesn't really matter. But it just has this cleansing acidity. And that cleansing acidity is what endears it to that warmer Australian climate here. When we're drinking it in summer, it's just so goddamn refreshing. Whether you're drinking it from Great Southern in WA or the Franklin River or the Clare or Eden Valley, it's just my mouth salivating just thinking about that citrus fruit flavour and the youth and the balance of freshness and acid and age. I just want a glass of Riesling. Is, it, is that when you think, it's a, like, I've forgotten the, the, the quiz question's name. Um, is, is that when you, Shirley. When you think, Shirley, do, do you think... Yeah. Do you think Shirley's not, you know, she can't get into it because it's a bit too, I want to say simple. It's very nuanced. There's not, it's not as big and, and uh, obvious as a Sauvignon Blanc and it doesn't have the same sort of coating lushness as a Chardonnay. And if those are the other two sort of grape varietals, white grape varietals that you're comparing it to, it it's very different. Well, like I guess without knowing there's that an context, elegance to reasoning. Sorry, without without knowing that context of Shirley's question, we can only give her, give give our opinion in the fact that you know we're we're not talking about certain complexities or what it, what as a variety it lacks. We're just talking about 
what we love about it. And whether it's grown in Hungary or Serbia or Italy or Romania, doesn't really, it's neither here nor there. It's just what we love about it. Um, and I've said it's diversity and, you know, it's approachability. You've said the fact that it's great value. Um, and I think all of those factors just mean we need to put Riesling on a pedestal, really. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I hope that answers your question, Shirley, because um, there's plenty to discover when it comes to Riesling, whether it's Australian or Austrian for that matter. But it's extensively, it's a dry mineral flavour with uh, good amounts of alcohol and full bodies. So just explore, explore the region, start off in New Zealand or Australia and work back to its old world. I am sure you'll find something that you love about Riesling. It has a lot of endearing quality. It doesn't have to be Grand Cru Riesling from Alsace or Grosskavarks from Germany. It could be something delicious from the Clare. Remember, um, you might remember, and as you quite highlighted before, Mick Nippard, friend of the show, he introduced me to the wines of O'Leary Walker. Yep. Sensational wines. And, and their flagship Riesling, I think, used to be about 16 bucks. It might have gone up to about 18 bucks nowadays, but it was a stunning wine out of the Clare Valley. David O'Leary and Nick Walker. But there's plenty of examples, and we could rattle on about them for ages. We won't. Um, I was going to ask, Cam, you, yeah, you, you've named think? a lot of countries growing Riesling. Have you had Riesling from, I, I was going to say regions, but the, the countries, have you had South African Riesling, for example, or I've Romanian Riesling, Riesling or American Riesling? Romanian Riesling? I haven't tasted any American Riesling. Uh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Just curious. Uh, yeah, the Romanian Rieslings are very viscous and like, um, oh, you have had Romanian. Full. I have, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah but the further you go east, the um, kind of warmer, the fatter they get, the richer they get. In Europe, I'm talking. Is that because of the warmer climate? Because Romania yeah. is closer to the equator than um, uh, Alsace. That's it. You better it. believe it. Mm. Yummy. I just want a glass of Riesling now. <laughs> what do you drink Riesling with? I know you love food and wine matching. What do you drink it with? I know uh, a couple of, a couple of episodes ago, I got lauded um, for matching fish and chips with Chardonnay and not Semillon. Um, but as you, as we always say here on Luke's Talk Riesling, you do you. Um, but <laughs> what, are you what are you matching Riesling with, Luke Morris, before we move on? Um... I was just thinking, like, uh, 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 some sort of, I want to say salt and pepper squid, but maybe not so much salt and pepper squid, just some sort of battered, um, or even battered scallops. Yeah. Just some sort of light seafoody, you know, that mixed mix grill kind of seafood mix you get from the uh, supermarket with a bit of... Um, Crumbed, battered, in some way, yeah, and then reasoning something fried, fried it up, it. yeah, 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 because you, you lovely that 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 seafood freshness, and then the 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 batter is cut through with the acid, and it's it's, it's a nice little match. Yummy. 
Is that what you do, or would you match it with some sort of cheese and ruin the flavour? <laughs> no, I wouldn't match it with some sort of cheese. I'd probably, I might match it with something spicy, you know. So you mentioned salt and pepper squid. I, yeah. I might match it with, you know. Oh, chili squid. Yeah, like, but maybe like a Vietnamese beef salad or something like that, or something that's got a little bit of kick in it because mm -hmm. the acid and the, the natural sweetness of a Riesling might cut through that. Or, you know, like, if we're in Germany, they match it to one of your schnitzels and your roulades, mm. you know, like, so something like that would be good. Again, that fried aspect goes well with Riesling. That's a good point. Um, that's, that's, that's the thing. I've mentioned this before, thinking back to where the, 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 the food of the country, where the grapes from, because they tend to plant stuff and make stuff that goes well with their, their food and wine. So, yeah, uh, well, schnitzel, chicken schnitzel, yum, yum. Yes, yum, yum. And a glass of Riesling, absolutely outstanding. I'm feeling, I'm thinking, uh, I'm feeling flat, so maybe a chicken schnitzel will pick me up this afternoon. I don't really feel there, sick, there I just feel worn out. Fair enough. Hmm. What, what else? What, what have you been drinking this week, Luke Morris? Um... Anything stuck out? Anything stuck no. Crawl? No. No. Nothing's really flying at my face at the moment. I did a 34k run on the weekend, and I smashed oh a whole goodness. bunch of, um, uh, like, uh, milky, like milkshake kind of drinks to yeah. um, replenish the body. That's 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 been the main highlight of drinking this week. <laughs> <laughs> water um, and milk. That's what I've been drinking. Water and milk. Thirty. How many kilometers? Thirty-five. Thirty-four. <clears throat> wow. It was a tough stretch that day. Uh, I think that might be why I'm feeling a bit run down as well. Maybe the body's just sort of said, "I've had enough of moving and doing." Well, your body has the ornate ability to tell you that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, what about you? What have you been? You, you... Oh, for me, I went back uh, back to the ancient styles, actually, of pet nap over the weekend, and oh, wow. um, I was just like, and you know my um, sense and sensibilities regarding around pentulent natural, but I was enthused by the fact that. Uh, and I might have even mentioned it on the show before, Astro Bunny. So it's, it's actually made by an English um, master of wine and an MW who makes pet nuts out here. And he also makes some back in England. Uh, it's, they're on our website, actually, the Astro Bunny. But this was really unique in the fact that it all came out of the Adelaide Hills and the Riverland fruit. But it was a pet nut which was made from mainly white varieties but also had 17% Nero de Avila and 5% Mataro, which are red grapes. And it was just really just delicious. It was it had this crunchy kind of red apple skin, plenty of colour and nectar and grapefruit to it, but it was just it was utterly delicious, Maria. It was it really blew my socks off. And I just had it with a smile and a few mates. Just a little fizz, just a light fizz. Just a light fizz. Nothing, nothing um, extremely, uh, yeah, brash. Just, what, just what? a, a light presente. Did you eat it with anything? 
Eat it with anything. Did you eat it with anything? <laughs> you know what uh, I'm saying. I know what you're saying. Uh, we just had a little, um, yeah, just a little bit of, you know, charcuterie and some sliced meats. But you could okay. have had it with anything. You could have had it with a, a chicken kebab. Um, it's, yeah, it was just a bit of fun. A bit of fun in the park and a Saturday afternoon. Most enjoyable it was. It was very pleasant. Not wine that you put in the cellar or, you know, not wine that you might want to celebrate your 21 wedding anniversaries with or whatever, but just uncomplicated and a bit of fun that you weren't thinking about. The 2021 Astro Bunny Pet Nat. Good work. Absolutely delicious. Yeah. Hey, that has been amazing. You has it? I think yeah. it's been. I think it's been uh, reflective of how under the um, <laughs> under the weather we both are today. But you have been hopefully an it's been useful. Trooper. <laughs> I've been Luke Campbell. He has been Luke Morris. You can get in touch with us at Luke's Talk Wine at gmail.com. Please don't forget to vote in the hottest one hundred. You can vote via the blog at vinifier.com.au or you can vote via our Instagram at Luke's Talk Wine. Get involved, be a part of it as we collate the votes towards the end of the season. I, You can find me on the socials at vinified underscore wine underscore services and Luke Morris ha on the gram. But most of all, and in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Bye. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au